Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. It is great to be with you, as always. By the way, join us during the week. Fox Business Network. Name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. Every single day. If you can't get us at 4, text your favorite nine-year-old. And she'll show you how to DVR the show. And by the by, you can get us live streaming on the internet. Uh, LarryKudlowShow.com. LarryKudlowShow.com. Throughout the country, around the world, the entire solar system and the Milky Way, whatever that is. And we're going to do some stock market work for the next half hour. Oh, boy. there's This is going to be great fun. We have Stephanie Link, Chief Investment Strategist, Hightower Advisors, Head of Investment Solutions. We have Jim LeCamp, Senior Vice President Investments at Morgan Stanley. And we have, let's see, almost a 1,500-point loss in the Dow Jones. Uh, the S&P 500 down 4.5%. The NAS down 4.7%. The Federal Reserve is going to tighten. The president wants $5 trillion in taxes on successful earners and investors. A bank has gone under in Silicon Valley. It's good that we have Stephanie Link, who's really a nice woman, <laughs> smart, usually tries to be optimistic because, boy, oh, boy, this is the most fun we've ever had. Actually, one thing that's interesting, Steph, let me start with you. Uh, while stocks went down, interest rates went down a lot. Uh, two-year note down 27 bips. The 10-year went down 25 bips. The Fed's going to raise rates. I mean, they're, they're going to do at least a quarter anyway. Uh, I don't think this bank, you can tell me about the Silicon Valley Bank influence on the market, but I don't think it's 2008. I think this was a badly run bank uh, that did not understand uh, Fed tightening and an inverted yield curve and things of that sort. But it's not going to change the monetary policy. And uh, you're going to get inflation numbers, I guess, this week. The CPI come out this week. Um the uh, now cast from the Cleveland Fed says it's going to be up a half a percentage point. So I'd say it's kind of a pickle. What do you say? <laughs> and thank you for having me on in a very challenging environment. Right. Larry, I mean, this is, I've been doing this, I, you've been doing it longer than me, but I've been doing it 30 years plus, mm. and mm -hmm. this is a hard, hard time, right? There's so many cross currents. And first and foremost, I'll answer your question about the bond market. I think it was absolutely flight to quality yesterday. No right. question in my mind. Right. I think everybody wanted to make big of non-farm payrolls. And we can talk about that. They were solid. Um, and even, you know, the wage number kind of came in a little bit lower on a month-over-month -month basis, but still remains high year-over-year. -year. But that wasn't the story. You know, the, the Silicon Valley Bank, that stole the show. And quite frankly, I, I, I think it's, it's, it, the company was a mess. Um, they had less regulation than other city banks. Um, uh, systemically important financial institutions is what that's that, that's uh, that's acronym. Um, the largest banks have such huge regulatory capital restraints and uh, have uh, really um, focused on growing their capital. They complain about it all the time. If you listen to Jamie Dimon, he doesn't want to have to raise as much capital as he does and the excess capital. But, you know, it's for a good reason because of this kind of a situation. Well, Silicon Valley Bank had their own problems. A, it was a mixed issue. Uh, 62% of their deposits are venture capitals. 
venture capitalists as well as focus on technology and life sciences. They also had a bond issue, right? A couple of years ago, they put a lot of their deposits into long the long end mm. when rates were zero. They didn't realize that rates were going to be higher for longer. I don't know why, because everyone on the planet knew that rates were going to be higher for longer. And then they obviously had a liquidity issue when the deposits were withdrawn. withdrawn rather. Um, they had to, uh, to, to kind of scramble and sell their 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 fixed income assets for a $1.8 billion loss. I don't think it's a systemic issue, but I do think we're going to have some fallout. Are big banks going to have um, their marks on their bond portfolios down? Of course they are. They have been. And that's what we've been lowering numbers for the last couple of quarters. Our net interest income and net interest margin is going to come down? Of course they are. We have been lowering numbers as well. But the big banks are very well diversified. And so I do not think this is going to bleed over. Um, but I do think we're going to have some issues in Silicon Valley. I think we're going to have some issues in technology innovation. And it's a very sad situation. So we have to wait and see what happens. But I think that's, to your answer on the bond market, that's why the, you know, the, the, the bond market, you know, the yields were actually down yesterday. And the markets were just scared. And that's, that's a, I think that's the, kind of the, the summary. Well, it's a good summary. <clears throat> Thank you, Steph. And Jim LeCamp, um, uh, quality spreads widened. So that also happened. I'm looking the mm-hmm. Moody's BAA spread versus Treasuries up 27 bips and the Merrill Lynch high yield spread against Treasuries up 45 bips. So there you have it. The credit uh, concerns uh, are out there. Um but then um, I get it. Look, the biggest banks are very well capitalized. No question about that. Stephanie's right. A hundred percent. I don't follow this the way I used to. But what are these regional banks? That's like? the problem. That's the problem. The problem is people are going to see that depositors that had over 250000 at Silicon Valley Bank are going to be risked for any of that excess. And they're not going to worry about J.P. Morgan or Bamel or Morgan Stanley. They're going to worry about mom and dad state bank on the corner. And I, I think it's going to really hit small banks and uh, regional banks as well in, in terms of deposit flow. So what the, Fed, the, the, the Feds are going to have to do is make it very clear how they're going to handle the situation. Or you're going to have a lot of people, for no good reason uh, pertaining to those specific banks, but they're just not going to feel comfortable having money in a small or or regional bank. And I I think it could cause some panic. I I don't think it should. I I agree with Stephanie. This was a really unique bank, bank, and they were loaded up on the long end on treasuries. And uh, so you, you had essentially a run on the bank. It, it really uh, was a, a pretty unique situation, but depending on how they handle it will be what the fallout is. And, and then you have other issues that hit the stock market because you broke the 200-day moving average on the NASDAQ, on the Dow, on the S&P 500. Uh, and so technically you've seen some, some real damage in the stock market as well. And now nobody knows how to game the Fed. Uh, yeah, you you had this this almost certainty that had developed that uh, th- uh, this uh, next week was going to be 50 bips on a hike, and now they don't know what to think. I saw one investment banker calling for a Fed cut now because of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. I don't think that'll happen. They will do 20. They will do 25. 
They will yeah. do 25. They're yeah, not going to change. They're going to do 25. They're going to well. do 25. You know, I had John Taylor on the show, on the TV show yesterday, last evening. Uh, you know, John's a very smart, calm guy, the inventor of the Taylor rule. He says the Fed funds rate's going to 6%. It's presently at four and a half to three quarters. And he said it's going to stay up there. Uh, and he, he said it's not about the economy. It's about getting these price indexes down to 2% inflation. So that's not and going to change. Got, and now change. you've got wage push inflation that has really entered the mix, too. And I, I know those numbers were a little better on Friday, but you're seeing a whole lot of corporations either, A, having to pay more for their employees, or B, lay employees off. And so, as Stephanie said, I've been doing this over 30 years as well. This is a really unique environment, and we haven't seen this really, uh, this kind of environment since that that uh, ill-fated 68 to 82 time frame with Arthur Burns at the helm, where we were all news-driven and all over the place. Yeah, and Arthur was pumping that money in. For Nixon for re-election, but that's a different segment. Anyway, what happens? Uh, I just want to take another minute, Stephanie. What if the if the FDIC comes out and just says we're going to guarantee everything? You know, like it was late two thousand and eight. I mean, that might be that might be a bigger cause of panic if if they just say, well, we're just anything yeah. happened. We're going. I mean, I think the authorities have to be very careful here, and it just strikes me that they have to deal with this one bank at a time if stuff crops up. Because if they start doing blanket guarantees and then ultimately bailouts, I don't think that's good either. I'm not sure that the banks need bailouts, quite frankly. Maybe it's some of the regionals, the really small regionals. I'm not talking about Key Corp or or PNC Mm. or any of those kinds of companies, which are maybe like second tier, because obviously we know, you know, Wells Fargo is one of the top tiers. I don't think it's anywhere close to that. These, These companies have risk management. I mean, this Silicon Valley Bank, they actually didn't even have... Uh, a chief risk officer at the company. And that's, think about that. That's crazy to me. And you had the CEO and CFO talking to Congress a couple of months ago, talking about re, uh, the regu- on the regulation side of things to reduce their regulation mm-hmm. because they were so much smaller than other banks. So, which, by the way, Congress actually uh, gave that to them. So they had much less regulation and much less capital requirements than many other big, large banks. So maybe we have problems with the smaller banks, but they're much smaller. I'm not saying that that's not going to be an issue. And by the way, as I mentioned, I don't think that the large banks are out of the woods. They got to mark their mark, the mark, the market on the bond, on their bond portfolios lower, but they're much more diversified. So let's see how the whole thing plays out. But to your point, if the FDIC comes in and, and guarantees everything, uh, I don't think they're going to. I don't people, think they can. I that would be opening Pandora's box. Right. People go nuts if they do that. Yeah, Congress will go nuts. Investors will go nuts. The stock market will go south. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. You know, they got to deal with it one bank at a time, one day at a time. Yeah, I don't think they have out. to guarantee everything for every bank. I think they need to act very swiftly and give a clear path on the Silicon Valley Bank so that everybody sees yeah. that it's going to be contained to that bank and not be contagious to any other tech bank, venture capital bank, or even small local and regional banks. Moral of the story is... You know what they could do? They could do what they did with Washington Mutual, which they could guarantee, the FDIC could guarantee a buyer kind of putting a floor on kind of the losses, 
right, which is what they did with Washington Mutual. They could do that, have somebody come in, a company come in and buy, and then just kind of keep a, a, almost like a put, if you Who, will, who's on, gonna buy? On, on, the, on the liabilities. Who's so going to buy there? We just don't know. Who's going to yeah. buy There's this already portfolio? rumors out there. There's already rumors out there of a buyer. Um, the uh, Bank of London said they're considering an offer. So they're, they're, yeah. there's going to be people sniffing around. The Chinese communists but, and, will buy it. And, China come and in then, and buy it. You, Do us all a favor. Know, How about, oh, I love well, that. Know. Why didn't I think of that before? Absolutely. <laughs> the Chinese, this Chinese communist central bank can come in and buy Silicon Valley. And the well, dem- I'll tell you what's interesting. The private bank, right? <laughs> so the RIA, the, the wealth management business, is a very attractive business. Right. $15 billion in assets under management. You could parcel that off to I, any any company, I gotta right? Take so, I got to take yeah. a break. I got to take a break. Stephanie so. Link, Hightower <laughs> Advisors, Investment Solutions, Jim LeCamp, Morgan Stanley, Chinese Communist Party, no way. I'm Kudlow. We'll be back with more on stocks. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking to Stephanie Link, and we're talking to uh, somebody else on the show. Oh, wait a second. Who are we talking to? Jim LeCamp, Senior Vice President, Morgan <laughs> Stanley, and Stephanie Link of Hightower Advice. What's investment solutions, Stephanie? What is that one? So we have what we call, it's, the, it's our version of the OCIO, uh, where we outsource um, our money management capabilities. Oh. It's a miniature asset manager, oh. a miniature asset management business within Hightower. Advisors can outsource their clients' money to us, and then we run fixed income equities, a multi-asset strategies, as well as alternatives for them. I always wondered what it was. Thank you for that. Um, sure. Jim LeCamp, I don't know. I just think right now the outlook for bonds is lousy and the outlook for stocks is lousy. That, I mean, this will pass. I mean, we've been through down periods before. Sure. But I'm just saying you look at the way the markets, both markets are trading. You look at Fed policy. You look at also I'm seeing an awful lot of weak reports on profits, profits of the mother's milk of stocks. S&P profits actually fell last year. Uh, unit labor costs are very high. That's not good. I mean, I'm I'm leaving the Washington tax stuff aside because none of it's going to pass. We can deal with that in 2024. But right now, the inside of the stock market looks lousy to me. And frankly, I don't think the bond market's any better. But what do you think? I think it's a good time to play defense. Um, the, uh, I, I've said all along, as you probably recall, that bear markets are like Stephen King books where everybody gets killed in the end. <laughs> and so when you go into CNBC or you go into Fox Business or you go into Bloomberg and you see all these pundits out there, um, they, they, they tell you to go into defensive areas, but they get beat up too. Value's getting killed right now. Dividend stocks are getting killed right now. We've broken the uptrend from October. Uh, we've broken the 200-day moving average on every on every on all of the major indices. The Fed has not cut rates yet. That's really important because no, we've only had one bear market since World War II that bottomed before you had a rate cut, and that was 1990-91. So most of the time, you get a rate cut before you get a market bottoming. Also, bear markets end at nah, 13, 14 times earnings. We're at 17 and a half times earnings. Mm-hmm. And 
Costs are going up for these businesses. Interest rates are going up for these businesses. Uh, labor costs are going up for these businesses. And, and, and people are getting laid off. Uh, we're seeing delinquencies start to accelerate. We're seeing bankruptcies start to increase. I, I think it's a, a good time to play defense, have some money on the sidelines. The good news is you get paid now to have money on the sidelines, which is also a headwind for the market. But you can get four, you can get five, you can get five and a half uh, percent on short-term paper, CDs, or corporate bonds. So why try to be a hero here? I would suggest that you play defense and you wait. Uh, good times will come, but it'll probably be the fall. Yeah, I'm just looking. You're right. The the 91 day Treasury bill closed at 487. The two year note closed at 459. But the two year note had gotten to five percent. It's going to go back to five percent after this Silicon Valley bank thing passes. I mean, Steph, what do you do here? Do you just have you know get liquid high yielding cash, or do you have other thoughts? Yeah, no, there is an alternative, right? Uh, as Jim just mentioned, and and as you're mentioning, right? So. So for the last 10 years, there was no alternative. It was only equities we, because we were getting nothing in, in fixed income. So now you're getting a very attractive 4 or 5%. Um, and I think there's a place absolutely to put your money there. Uh, but I still think long-term average for the S&P 500 total return is 11%, right? So, so that's something. And the long-term average in fixed income is 6%. So I think you do want to be diversified. But I do think that... I think technology, you know, people were really wanting to get back into technology. I'm not so sure it's going to lead, especially after this mess with Silicon Valley Bank. So I kind of feel like value, yeah, Jim mentioned it's underperformed. I actually think that's a place where you want to look. And I think you do want to find companies, blue chip, big cap companies that are number one or number two in their industries that get hit baby with the bathwater. And you get to get some of these great, great companies on sale. I also think... There is a reopening happening in China. I know no one likes China, and I don't like China, but I know there's a reopening happening in China, and there's a three-year pent-up demand for the consumers in China. And so do I want to own Chinese companies? Absolutely not, but I do want to own U.S. companies that have exposure to China. Estee Lauder, Nike, um, Starbucks, Caterpillar, those kinds of companies will see um, kind of a revival in that region, and that's important for Again, some of these U.S. multinational companies that they haven't seen that kind of growth or expansion in a long time. And so I actually am very tempted to buy blue, blue chip equality banks here because they're trading less than book value. And if I don't think there's a contagion, which I don't think it, there is, I think you're getting really good values in that particular sector as well. Well, I just uh, loved your first thought. I mean, if you look at this from the standpoint of Jeremy Siegel, uh, or some stocks for the long run, stocks for the long run, Burton Malkiel, you want to actually, if you can do it, is commit some cash to, you know, to the bear market. So the market's going to go down more, okay? Maybe it's time you know, buy it on the way down and hold it for the next 50 years. I mean, that I always like that. I'm attracted to that. Larry, I think that is a great point, and it also illustrates why to have some cash. Uh, you have a lot of pundits that come out there and say, keep buying, buy more. To keep buying, you have to have cash. Mm. And so there is a reason for investors to keep some money 
on the sidelines, especially during troubled times, it's so that they can dollar cost average back in, yep. or as Stephanie pointed out, find some value, find some beaten down names. Uh, you know, I like the areas that she talked about for when I do want to buy. I think it's probably too early, but I, I like I like the way she's thinking direction wise, and so. But it also illustrates the point why investors Got should have some cash during troubled times. All right. Stephanie Link, thank you ever so much. And Jim LeCamp, thank you ever so much. Very constructive. Folks, we're going to do some money in politics. Liz Peek and Steve Moore, stick around.